0: The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America
1: Talk Radio Network,
0: its staff and management.
1: Are you a CEO or ready to become one? Have we got an hour for you. Welcome to CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. We're ready to set you up for success. Your reputation with shareholders and clients is important. But standing apart from your competitors is also essential to your success. We'll help you do both. Now, here is your host, Pam Lassiter.
2: Welcome to the CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. I'm your host, Pam Lassiter, and I'm so glad you're with us today in the go-to place for honing the right skills to become a CEO and to stay there as a strategic, competitive leader. You can email me at info at CEOacademywithpam.com. Connect with me on facebook.com slash Lassiter Consulting. Follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn at Pam Lassiter. Our guest today, who not only has been a CEO, but who has gone on to be one who evaluates and oversees CEOs, is Pam Reeve board member and chair of multiple organizations. Find Pam at LinkedIn.com, and the last name is R-E-E-V-E, Pam Reeve. Pam, thank you for coming. Well, thank you for having me. Well, I appreciate the time. I'm just going to give a couple of highlights to Pam's background because of the time it could take, but it's way cool background, so worth reading the whole story. Pam was CEO of Lightbridge for 15 years, which was a software company that she took public. She is lead director of American Tower Corporation, chair of the board of Frontier Communications, and serves on the boards of Sonos Networks. I'm a customer of yours, Pam. Uh, DSM, which is DeneQuest. I'm a customer there, too. And multiple nonprofit boards, including chair of the Commonwealth Institute, which works with women leaders to grow their businesses and careers. Uh, Pam, was there a specific time, maybe after Lightbridge, that triggered, it's time for me to be on boards, or did it kind of sneak up on you?
3: Well, actually, neither one. Um, My first experience on a board besides my own board, I was on the Lightbridge board as CEO, um, occurred while I was CEO of Lightbridge. I had the opportunity to be on sometimes one, sometimes two, but certainly not more than that, um, other boards. And at that time, I was really looking for uh, the opportunity to be a better CEO and to get some different perspectives. You know, when you're running your own business and even even dealing with your own board, as diverse as it might be, you still are a little focused on your own industry and your own business. Mm-hmm. And I found being on other boards was really helpful. I think it helped me understand my own board, work with my own board better, and, and helped me uh, think about ways to be a better CEO for my own company. So that was the start. That was
2: really strategic. And did you discover you enjoyed it so that you built out on that after you left Lightbridge?
3: I really did enjoy it. I found, in a way, for me, it was a a little bit like coming full circle because I had spent 11 years in consulting, so (laughs) um, in a way, it allowed me to use my experience and my uh, ability to communicate and challenge and question um, in, a, I hope, a productive kind of way. And I really enjoyed doing I enjoyed working with the other board members and with the CEOs and management teams to try to do something important and valuable with the companies.
2: Actually, that's a good point. Your Boston Consulting Group experience would have come in handy, too. Okay, today we're going to talk about an important part of your career growth, uh, those CEOs who are joining us today, of getting on the right boards and building your own board. This is a truly important topic for executives and is typically the next step in your professional growth. Let's talk about some of the initial decisions, such as the whys and and what's of boards, then get into the strategies of approaching them.
3: Pam, I'll get a call...
2: I'm going to be retiring in a couple of months, and I'm thinking about getting on boards, preferably ones that have compensation attached. What should I be doing? Well, if somebody asked you that question, you've got an answer about it.
3: <laughs> you know, I would say the first thing I would say is you should have started thinking about that a little bit ago. Um, it, would yep. be, it would be a good idea to have been considering what your next chapter might look like uh, before you get, you know, 12 minutes before the retirement. But having said that... Um, I think you have to be very objective with yourself and try to look at yourself from the perspective of the board that might be looking at you. It's mm-hmm. probably clear to you why you want to be on a board, or maybe it isn't. I, that may be something we want to talk a little bit about. You need yeah, to be we'll clear about. that. Yeah, You're right. Yeah, clear about why you want to be on a board. Um, but then I think it's really important to try to consider why someone might want you on a board. It's very much like any recruiting process. You know, if you're looking for a job or you're trying to hire someone, you need to look from each other's perspective. Perspectives.
2: That's so important. I do want to go into that a little bit more in just a second, too. So what's in it for them, too. But if they're looking for a board with the compensation attached and starting a couple of months before they're retiring, you're saying it's a little late because they don't have time to build a case,
3: basically, while they still have their title? I think it's a combination of that and the fact that board seats don't become available every minute. You know, boards have a rhythm in terms of, particularly public boards, and we can talk about they're all different kinds of boards, but mm-hmm. the compensating boards are typically a public board, some private boards, and actually some advisory boards do that, too, but... Mm-hmm they typically have a rhythm. They have either terms um, or a rhythm of review of their board members so that seats will become available on some kind of a cycle. So the fact that you're interested on May 15th doesn't mean that there will be an availability on May 15th. So you want to think about the kinds of boards that you might be interested in pursuing, what they're looking for, what their rhythm is, and start your approaches to those entities well before you actually become available.
2: Exactly. One thing I find boards you're looking for are not necessarily retired people. Fifty-seven percent, I think it is, of new board members on Fortune 500 are typically CEOs, Yep. And so there is a large percentage or head of a large division within their company, one or the other, but leadership and management and brand that they are bringing to a board, so the board is enhanced as a result. So if it's retired, it's not. that's why starting two months before you retire seems to be a tougher
3: time and tougher approach. I think, the, I think the thing that boards are looking for, um, at least the ones that I have experience on, is um, currency, and I don't mean money. I mean mm-hmm. the fact that you have, have uh, in some way, because of your current working environment or other things that you're doing, that, that you have still a line of sight to some of the issues that are going to be facing the CEO and the company. That doesn't mean you can't have retirees. I'm quite the contrary. I think um, that 57% that you alluded to is actually a lower percentage than it used to be. It used to be that you only were looking at sitting CEOs for for board members. And I think with Mm -hmm. the increased stress and workload of boards and the concern about uh, CEOs' focus of their time, many companies now limit their CEOs as to their board service availability. So, they're, they're, uh, it's, it's a little bit harder just to stock your board with with all sitting CEOs. Uh, hence, the division presidents and also recently retired CEOs and CFOs and other uh, categories of executive, I think, are finding their way onto boards and being very productive on boards. But it's more of how vital and current have you stayed and as well as other issues about the kind of experience that you actually have yeah that
2: makes total sense and the more fast moving your company is or your industry is the fast the younger like i'm seeing walmart put a 36 year old on the board because they want social media connections and knowledge and wisdom as well so uh, it could be much earlier than it used to be too so uh depends on the board you're totally right. Why should people, I want to think about why to be on a board. If you can't articulate a reason to yourself about why do I want to be on a board, it's going to be hard to articulate to others which you're going to be. And typically, just to be totally upfront with it, it's often prestige and income stream play a part in it, but these can be elusive or not realistic if there aren't deeper
3: goals. So what are the right reasons to want to be on a board? That, that is such a great question, and I think that those two reasons, while they are real and even relevant, to me would be way down the list. Um, I, I think you've, you've got to think about what it is that you have to offer um, and what experiences, um, professional and life experiences, uh, could be helpful to another company and another company's CEOs. CEO, you you have to think about uh, working in a collaborative kind of environment. I I think one of the things that's true is if you've been a CEO, now you're on a board where you are co-equal with the other members of the board. That's a different Mm -hmm. experience uh, than being the CEO of a company. So Mm -hmm. I think you have to really think long and hard about what it is you have to offer uh, I think that there's also a, a get, and the get is beyond the income and the prestige. I've always been interested in being on boards where I could contribute, but I could also learn. Because mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in continuous learning, it's just kind of the way I'm wired. I want to be able to provide good advice and make you know, make judgments and ask challenging questions and all of that. But I also want to to learn some new things from the company itself and from my fellow board members. So every person needs to interrogate themselves about that and to be candid. If it's just for prestige and money, I think you're going to have a, a difficult time finding that that's really attractive to anybody else.
2: Well, that's... That takes some reflection on why am I doing this. And just briefly, because we're going to a break in a minute, there are other types of boards besides publicly held boards. So could you just kind of mention what you think of when you think of the range of boards for a second?
3: Yeah, I'm so glad you raised that question too, because I think that often, I mean, I'm asked quite a bit by younger uh, people about getting some board experience before they're, quote, ready to be on a big public company board. And there are many opportunities to be valuable um, on either private company boards, nonprofit boards, um, there are advisory boards that don't have the same fiduciary responsibility but can be very valuable to companies and as an experience for individuals. So there's a, there's a pretty wide range. And again, if it's all about the money and the prestige, you're going to limit the opportunities for yourself and limit the step that might lead you to the next step and the next and ultimately get you to the kind of boards that you'd like to be on when you're a little bit more senior, more seasoned.
2: Good point. I hope everybody that's listening heard that range. I'm going to post uh, during your break, which we're on right now, uh, something called Board Stair Steps that are seven different levels of boards that you can work your way through and work your way up. And some are more appropriate for where you are right now than others. So take a look at them during break and check them out. And they'll be on my website, Lassiter Consulting, and on my LinkedIn page, which is Pam Lasseter. And we're going to continue talking about strategies as we come back with Pam Reed and getting into those more deeply.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: Lassiter Consulting works privately with senior-level professionals who want a trusted advisor to co-create paths to reach the career outcomes you seek. You can improve your work success in your current company, choose them for outplacement or career change, or explore retirement. Lassiter also works with corporations that are going through change. You may be discreetly transitioning a senior executive out of the company or growing yourself for increased productivity. Put Lassiter Consulting to work for you today. Visit LassiterConsulting.com. Pam Lasseter has written The New Job Security, which details the five best strategies for taking control of your career. It's a Wall Street Journal Award winner. Take control of your career by learning how to use target markets and their challenges to your advantage. The book will dramatically change your resume, your communications, and your financial results. You can find the book on Amazon, including Kindle, or by visiting LasseterConsulting.com. That's LasseterConsulting.com.
3: We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up?
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CEO Academy with Pam Lasseter. To reach the show, send an email with questions or comments to info at CEO with Pam.com. That's info at CEO Academy with CEOacademywithpam.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: Welcome back from our break. I hope you found the board stair steps in my LinkedIn article and on Lasseterconsulting.com and are thinking about the types of boards that might be the best fit for you. We're talking to Pam Rave, board member and frequently chair of, what, Pam, four public companies now?
3: Well, I'm not chair of all of them, but I am on four... Four companies, three public, oh. um, and then three a number public. of other nonprofits. Yep, and and some private and multiple
2: nonprofits too. This is a full time job by itself, so <laughs> and uh, you're doing other things as well. We've looked at the why and the what level so far for getting on boards and getting involved with the leadership. But let's dive into some specific strategies now. I want to start with one question that. Pam alluded to earlier, I'm seeing companies limit the number of outside boards for CEOs just because of what you were saying, Pam, about the demands their day job puts on them. And one survey reported 0.5 as the average number of boards per CEO. Do you see this as a typical constraint now with companies, or is it more likely to happen in the large if you're CEO of a publicly held company to start off with?
3: Well, I think you definitely see the limitation on, for people on publicly held companies. Um, I'm not sure about the 0.5, that there's some average you know, happening in the market. Yeah, no, that's there. an average. Um, but uh, um, <laughs> Half a but if you tough. think about the, what's required of a public company CEO uh, in the current environment, as well as what's required of a public company board member now, I mean, mm-hmm. that job has really increased in its responsibility. The time commitments have increased a lot, and the regulatory um, impact has really been felt there. So um, both of those factors, I think, push in the direction of CEOs being on fewer outside boards, boards and boards than they certainly were a decade ago. Let's say. But the smaller
2: companies, some companies underneath that, I've actually worked with a CEO whose company wanted, his board wanted him to get on more boards because it gave their company more visibility and more branding and more influence for their CEO. So maybe the smaller ones see it as an advantage. Uh, I, think if large, it's a, I,
3: think, I think a private or smaller company is going to be very circumstance-specific. If mm-hmm. you have a small company that is closer to a startup kind of phase where people are working incredible hours, they're not, still, you're fund, right. still fundraising, that kind of thing, you might want your CEO to stay focused. Maybe when things mm-hmm. get a little bit more stable and there's more infrastructure, you may mm-hmm. want your CEO to get experience, because uh, mm-hmm. you may have a young CEO, by sitting on other boards as well as um, what, you, what you mentioned, which I think is a great point of getting more exposure for the company itself.
2: So that depends on the stage. That makes sense. So assuming you as listeners have the green light to proceed, check first, uh, I'd like to talk with Pam about reversing your thinking as your next step. The energy moves from, I want to be on a board type of thinking to, why should a board be interested? And your communication shifts as well. Pam, do you see this happening when you're talking to uh, board candidates?
3: It's so I love that question. It's such a great question because I've seen both. I've seen, I've seen candidates that have not made that shift mm-hmm. and candidates that have made that shift very, very well. And again, it's very much like recruiting, where you're looking for a senior executive. Some come in with, you would be so lucky to have me, and others come in with, um, (laughs) I don't want you as a result. (laughs) I I understand you have this, this, and this issue. I think I can help you with that issue. Uh, Clearly, I'm most interested in people who have bothered to understand the company and what the company might be dealing with and have thought about how they might be able to contribute to that. So I think that really puts, you know, the, the old saying of walk, walk a few miles in someone else's shoes. I think that is definitely worth doing to understand in the particular case of a particular company, what might be happening around that board table? What might the issues be facing that company in that industry? How could I contribute to their wrestling with those issues? So it takes a little bit of thinking, a little bit of research, uh, some investment, you know, to understand or to or to make your best guess because you can't actually know what what goes on inside a boardroom often, but you can you can make some educated. You can make guesses some guesses. You,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. you you haven't even seen where I'm going to head later on, which is about research. So you're on an important topic in general too. When you've interviewed a lot of people that are interested in being board candidates, so so far I'm hearing if they're talking about us about the company and the issues we're facing and uh, have some experience in those. That definitely engages me. What type of characteristics are you typically looking for in a good board candidate?
3: Well, you know, this may sound a little bit um, high concept, but I think that clearly you have to have the highest integrity, Mm -hmm. Um, And that is something you can know something but not everything about. So you try to do your best. Um, If you're getting serious about a candidate, you try to do as much uh, background checking and not through the normal channels necessarily to understand how they operate. You want someone who understands how to participate in what is really a team sport you know, as I mentioned earlier, if you've been a CEO and you've been sort of the boss, which some CEOs are, that's a very different dynamic than a boardroom where it's really a mm-hmm. team environment and you you should be candid and there should be no sacred cows and you, you need to be able to argue about all of the issues, but you need to do that in a respectful way and to acknowledge that your point of view may or may not be the best one and to allow your opinion to be changed or to know when to stand your ground. So I think those are, uh, you know, you're trying to get a sense of what is the character of this person, how might they be in this environment, you know, what's, what's the culture of our board, and mm-hmm. will this person fit in our board? Um, and then you're also looking for the specifics. Um, what am I looking for in this seat? Am I looking for someone that has... Strong financial acumen. Am I looking for someone who has some digital marketing experience, in addition mm-hmm. to all the broad brush, you know, sort of management and and communication and interaction experiences? So there's a there's a list of things that that you're looking for. Some soft, some hard. Yeah, but yeah. you,
2: as listeners, just heard a good nominating chair. I don't know if you've ever done that role before, but you're looking for the important part: the integrity and the ethics. Uh, I had in my own notes its reputation, but it's hard to research ahead of time, but really important. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because that's what you end up living with afterwards, too, and the success of the company often as well. Tell me about your thoughts about focus. I often have clients design a list of companies that they're interested in. What types of companies am I thinking about for boards and why? Do you find that being helpful to have some sort of focus?
3: I think it is helpful because it means that you are targeting companies where you think you can contribute and mm-hmm. you know if you're me where you can also learn. If you're just saying I just want to be on a I just want to be on a board mm-hmm. then that to me goes back to your very first statement about it's all about me. I want the money yeah. and I want the prestige. I, that may be yeah. a little harsh but that's what I interpret. That's, as is opposed that how it to could saying yeah, yeah, as opposed to saying I think I have something to contribute to companies that are wrestling with digital transformation or companies that have a lot of financial issues that they're dealing with or companies that are in the international markets or whatever the defining characteristics are it might not be an industry focus it might be a subject you know an, an issue focus or it might be a, or it might be an industry focus you know i understand technology i understand networking i understand mm-hmm. consumer Uh, facing products and services. I understand insurance, but I think it is important to do that, at least at the start. So
2: get some focus. I I think it also conveys to people that you're Putting some thought into this and looking at best fit. Okay, I've been at a $500 million company, so I'm not ready for the large publicly held multi-billion dollar companies yet. I'm looking at these, this range and this industry, and you're looking for where is appropriate rather than just, I want to be on a board. And people can help you better that way, too. They can react. react. And they can think...
3: Uh, yeah, so when, someone, at, when someone asks me, when someone says to me, gee, I'd like to be on a board, my first question to them, well, there are two. The first one is why, and then the second one is, what area are you thinking about? Where perfect. do you think you can contribute?
2: Perfect. That means that you all should be preparing for those questions right now, because they're going to be kind of why, and then within what category? Well, what industry? Is that when you're thinking of area, are you thinking
3: of industry primarily? If, it could be industry, or as I said, it could be issue area. I mean, maybe your expertise mm-hmm. is in cybersecurity. Maybe your expertise mm-hmm. is in financial, uh, mm-hmm. you know, capital markets and, and financial issues. Maybe your expertise oh, in, is in globalizing a business. Maybe your mm-hmm. expertise is in digital transformation. There could be those kinds of things cut across industry segments. Or it could be that your your experience and what you bring to the party is – more general but targeted on an industry because you spend a lot of time in a particular industry segment. Yeah. Okay. Again so that goes back to understanding yourself and what you have to bring to the party.
2: Yeah, you know, that's uh, clarity in the messaging also shows up clarity on the resume. And about, this is, I'm going to ask you a total of a minute for touch base, but when you're looking at people's paperwork, which actually may be digital work now, uh, are there things that you skim on that attract you more than others when they're presenting themselves?
3: I've always wanted to see what someone's actually done not <laughs> not, okay. the, not the label of the title, and yeah. um, even in a board bio um, often that 's a mix because you may have people who have have been doing board work more recently, but the vast part of their career has been in in the executive management ranks so i'm very interested in the real experiences that they've had um and not and not being um you know buzzword compliant i mean i really want folks to to in a in a very succinct way tell me what it is that they have real experience in mm-hmm. that's great that
2: may Differentiate you, and I really respect that a little bit because I often see boards looking for words like oversight and, and governance and uh, compensation, things that might show up on board job descriptions. If nothing else, they may find you on LinkedIn with those words, though. Mm-hmm. That's right. Those buzzwords. <laughs> so both buzzword compliant and uh, Truth in advertising, more detail and success. What did you do with your responsibility and how it led you to? So is that fair?
3: Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think if you've been on boards to note the committees that you have led or been Ah. on is, is helpful. Transferable, got it.
2: Good point. We're coming up on our break now, and Pam Reeve and I are going to talk some more about being prepared, but then moving into that infamous subject, networking, which is not that simple for board approach. See you in three minutes.
0: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
1: Pam Lasseter has written the new job security which details the five best strategies for taking control of your career. It's a Wall Street Journal Award winner. Take control of your career by learning how to use target markets and their challenges to your advantage. The book will dramatically change your resume, your communications, and your financial results. You can find the book on Amazon, including Kindle, or by visiting LassiterConsulting.com. That's LassiterConsulting.com. Lassiter Consulting works privately with senior-level professionals who want a trusted advisor to co-create paths to reach the career outcomes you seek. You can improve your work success in your current company, choose them for outplacement or career change, or explore retirement. Lassiter also works with corporations that are going through change. You may be discreetly transitioning a senior executive out of the company or growing yourself for increased productivity. Put Lassiter Consulting to work for you today. Visit LassiterConsulting.com.
3: Search Voice America at your favorite app store.
0: From the boardroom to you, Voice America
1: Business Network. You are listening to CEO Academy with Pam Lasseter. To reach the show, send an email with questions or comments to info at CEO Academy with Pam.com. That's info at CEO Academy with Pam.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: Welcome back from our break. We're talking to Pam Reeve, NACD, which is National Association of Corporate Directors, New England Director of the Year. Yay, Pam! <laughs> Just recently named within this month about preparing yourself to be a board candidate, then about spreading the word when you're ready. Pam, two last points for today about preparation before we get into the networking Uh, part of this. A quick one. I just want to put in a testimonial, getting back to your other earlier point, about doing research. You, as a candidate, knowing the trends, issues, competition, the 10K, the analyst reports, and the current board members' backgrounds, that last one was important, backgrounds of current board members, makes a giant difference. You're communicating that you're serious and that you understand their company. You'll also learn about other companies to approach. In other words, their competitors in the process. Research can differentiate you. That was to Pam's earlier point, too. And the other point, Pam, that you know cold, is the benefit of professional association education and training. Could you speak to, as Director of the Year by NACD, <laughs> Do professional associations help with getting on boards? And what do you recommend? If you want to touch on research, fine as well, but the professional association side is a particularly interesting point. Well, I, I
3: would like to touch on the research for just a second, and mm-hmm. I think it is important uh, to look at the, particularly for a public company, to look at their public filings and mm. also to look at their board members. Uh, the public filings tell you a lot about the real issues inside the company that might not be available if you're just looking at press releases or or presentations, I think also checking who the other board members are gives you a sense of the kind of people that they can attract and uh, the kind of people they want on their board. And, again, as you're testing against yourself and whether you would fit on that board, I think that's really uh, a helpful thing to do. Um, As to the uh, professional associations and that kind of thing, again, you need to be sure about why it is you want to be a part of that group. You, I, I believe that in any group that you join, you should be giving and getting. Mm-hmm. So uh, and there are so many groups to join, as you know, Pam. I mean, you could be mm-hmm. uh, you could go to meetings every single day of the week. So uh, I think you want to do your research on that too and determine where are you going to get the kind of education that you'd like to get, the you know increase your knowledge base. Where are you going to be interacting with people that you can learn from and connect with who might be connection points for you into opportunities and where you can do the same for them. So I think you you do need to to think through that as you're deciding where you're going to spend your time, energy, and frankly, your membership dollars.
2: Oh, absolutely. But you chose a good one. I typically coach people to hang out around their future, where they want to be in the future, and where do those people hang out. It takes some research and testing to know that as well, and typically associations are delighted to have non-members come in the hope that you'll become a member at a reduced price sometimes even complimentary, but at least you are welcome to go. And you can see, does this feel right? Does this feel like it has the type of person around it that will be an appropriate environment for me where I'll learn and are there welcoming and educational? And I, can, I love your point about giving and getting. And NACD, the National Association of Corporate Directors, is probably the largest in the U.S. on boards.
3: Are there any that top that, to your knowledge? Not to my knowledge, and where I am located in Boston, Massachusetts, it's one of the larger and more active uh, chapters. chapters. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that I've enjoyed about that is, um, you know, you've been to networking events where everybody's just handing out business cards, and it feels like people are just just trying to sell to each other. I have Mm -hmm. zero interest in that. You know, when you go to an NACD event, not, not to promote them, but just this kind of thing is what I would find attractive. Certainly, people are trying to get to know each other, and, and but they're more trying to establish a relationship that might yield something down the road, and they're mm-hmm. trying to learn the things that you need to know to be better board members. So, for That's me, this, you know, in this topic area, it's, it's a really good place to be.
2: Well, it's, a, it's not a transaction, it's a relationship. And that's another point. As you're dealing with board approach, it's not the typical job search. It is uh, more an invitational type relationship about come and talk to us as opposed to handing out the, the business cards, just like you're saying, as would the professional associations or at least the right ones. Too. Right. So that's all I'm going to touch on right now for preparation, because I'd like to get to the networking side, which is something that people talk about a lot. And I find the word networking can be dangerous because it's broad and amorphous. And it may mean just like one of my colleagues was kind of shaking people by the shoulders and say, where are boards? What boards can I get on? And that was just driving the opposite direction. So what do you see as effective
3: for spreading the word when you're ready to be on a board? Well, I think that as much as anything else, you want people to know you. Again, going way back to that conversation about whose shoes are we in right now. Mm You know, If you're in your shoes, you're shaking everybody and saying, I want to be on a board, I don't want to be on a board, please find me a board. If you're in the other person's shoes, you want people to to know who you are, what you have to offer so they can evaluate you and Mm -hmm. think about you when an opportunity comes up. Remember, the day that you meet someone, it is very unlikely that there's an opportunity that day. So, a conversation that starts with your asking for something probably isn't as valuable as one where you actually engage in a conversation on a topic where you can mm-hmm. demonstrate you can demonstrate your knowledge and your capability um, and establish the first step in that relationship that might ultimately lead to an opportunity down the road for you to be on that board. Oh, and that's sometime, such a great, and, Yeah. And, and sometimes that is a conversation where you are continuing your own education on the on either the topic, you know, if it's a if it's a topic like a cybersecurity topic or even the industry, and talking with someone else in that industry about a recent SEC ruling or something that just happened with a major player or whatever the topic might be to demonstrate your interest in your knowledge. That is wonderful.
2: Take notes on this when you're listen- if you're listening or as you're listening, because the SEC rulings offer a continual stream of questions or the large companies and things that have been happening with them, too. So you can ask, how are you thinking about this, or how are you responding to this, or is this regulation affecting you, or what's happening with your H-1B visas, or how are you managing this? So that's a great way to show- to open up a conversation and a relationship, don't you think, as opposed to just the, what's happening with your When's somebody uh, timing out?
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think it's much more... You're going to have a very different conversation if you go up to someone that you know, for example, is on a communications company board and mm -hmm. say, what do you think is going to happen with this new look at net neutrality? How is that going to affect companies in your space? Here's what I've been thinking. What do you think? That is a completely different conversation. And Mm -hmm. really, you don't need to put out a placard that says, I'm doing this because I'm looking for a board seat. You are having the kind of conversation you might have if you were sitting next to that person in a boardroom. So you're demonstrating a little bit of of what you have to bring to the table.
2: And it makes it so much easier to connect with them outside over coffee and to start building a relationship Mm -hmm. over the topic. Or Absolutely, too. That is great. Absolutely. Oh, no, one thing I should point out is before you totally become visible looking for boards, it's important that your CEO about if you are a CEO already that your board should know about this because word gets back. And if you're a C level or um, upper. Level executive, your CEO should know as well. Word gets back in ways that I could never have predicted because a board member may check back with one of their colleagues who happens to be on your board, et cetera. And I've had people confronted in an elevator. Did you really talk to this person about that? And so it's wise if you can give heads up to people first. Your own board might be very supportive and help you connect. They're probably on
3: other boards too. So I think that's such a have... good point, and just from a from the point of good governance, there mm-hmm. should always be a review and permission process, even for a private company. Certainly, in a public company context, you go through nomination and governance, and and inform uh, that you know that that there's a process there for vetting whether uh, someone in the company can or should be on another board for competitive purposes and that kind of thing. Um, but I think it's also just a you know a good thing to do to make sure that there aren't any conflicts that you might not even know about or any restrictions that you might not Mm. know about. Um, And, yes, I think your board um, may be very supportive uh, in you are getting that experience and can be helpful to you. The last thing you want to do is just go off on your own and have that be a surprise to your board. That's not a good idea. No. It's, it's actually uh, you know, pr- kind of dangerous to do that. <laughs> Bad surprises backfire and that's uh that's dangerous. So getting
2: building them in, it also breaks trust. So that's yes. you don't want to do that either. Uh, A way to get started on this is meeting with the CEO, other CEOs and directors you know to just learn about what they perceive as adding value in the boardroom from their perspectives. So you just start informal conversations to ask for advice. And people are usually happy to give advice and to share their thoughts, especially if there's some reciprocity about something they are looking for or working on, maybe the Net neutrality, you have some ideas about that, so you may share some of that. So, starting informally, and then you can work your way up those board stair steps or into deeper, longer conversations.
3: Yep, I think that's true. I think you also have opportunities um, to demonstrate your expertise. Um, You know, we talked about the kind of conversations you have with people one on one, but there are often opportunities for you to be on a panel or to somehow uh, be able to convey to, a, to an audience, it might not be a 1,000 people, but it might be the right people,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
3: to talk about an area, either a subject or an industry, uh, area that you can uh, make yourself a little bit more visible in a very legitimate and useful way and uh, mm-hmm. start to let people know that you actually have something to offer.
2: Pam's on a really important point here about part of networking is being visible and being visible is being a thought leader. And if you can just happen to pick up the subjects that concern boards, boards in your future and be either a panelist or this is where blogs come in too. You can start writing about subjects that would be of concern to blogs too, and you might be picked up to be on a panel as a result too. So demonstrating expertise and thought leadership in a subject of your future can become your future. (laughs) uh, We can be very strategic here. We're coming up on a break now, so when we come back... I also promised in the title would talk about shaping your board, or even can you? We'll hear what Pam Reeve has to say about that in three minutes.
0: Voice America Business Network,
1: the bottom line in business. Lassiter Consulting works privately with senior level professionals who want a trusted advisor to co-create paths to reach the career outcomes you seek. You can improve your work success in your current company, choose them for outplacement or career change, or explore retirement. Lassiter also works with corporations that are going through change. You may be discreetly transitioning a senior executive out of the company or growing yourself for increased productivity. Put Lassiter Consulting to work for you today. Visit LassiterConsulting.com. Pam Lasseter has written The New Job Security, which details the five best strategies for taking control of your career. It's a Wall Street Journal Award winner. Take control of your career by learning how to use target markets and their challenges to your advantage. The book will dramatically change your resume, your communications, and your financial results. You can find the book on Amazon, including Kindle, or by visiting lassiterconsulting.com. That's lassiterconsulting.com.
0: at voiceamerica.com voice america is where you are and where you want to be join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available don't forget to view all our live events including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network.
1: You are listening to CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. To reach the show, send an email with questions or comments to info at CEO Academy with Pam.com. That's info at CEO Academy with Pam.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: Welcome back from our break. Pam Reeve, board expert and portfolio career maven. See, I'm calling you a different thing every time. Isn't that fun? <laughs> <laughs> it's all true, too. It's sharing ideas about building your own board and how to maximize its effectiveness with us now. We'll then leave you with tips and tactics you can walk away with today to grow yourself and your board planning. Pam, is it possible for CEOs to build his or her or their own boards or influence membership?
3: Oh, I think it's definitely um, not only possible, but important that there be at least collaboration uh, between the nominating and governance process and the CEO. Now, I'm not suggesting that we go back to the bad old days of you know the CEO's golf buddies become members mm-hmm. of the board. That's not what I'm talking about. But you do need to have an an alignment between the CEO and the board selection process to get the skill sets and to Mm -hmm. get the attributes that will be important in helping the CEO and management uh, run the company. So I I think if you had the the nom and gov and the CEO at odds, that to me Mm -hmm. is a a recipe for disaster. Uh, It doesn't mean the CEO makes all the decisions, but it does mean that there's alignment between the two.
2: Who wins in that case if nominating slash governance and CEOs have different opinions? Is it the the directors get the call, or is it time for a conversation?
3: I would say nobody wins in that case. Um, oh, I think you some. I, I think you have some bigger issues um, that have to get resolved. Yeah,
2: that's a great perspective. So it's time to sit down and get your uh, mediator <laughs> to to help you in the middle too, for clarity. Um, so we can shape boards does that depend on stage of the company or size of the company
3: I think it I think it depends on a lot of things and a stage of the company would be one of those things I'm I'm thinking about a board that I've been on for a, a lot of years and the company has been through multiple stages and just as there's been transformation at the management level not the CEO the CEO has really evolved and grown the company quite well um, but there have been changes in the structure of the company and mm-hmm. in the, the leadership up and down the company. There's also been transformation on the board um, as the company strategy transforms. So I think mm-hmm. it's, it's a combination okay. of the size, the strategy of the company. If the company's going through a transformation, going to, to do something very different, it may be that the current board has the capacity to do that or maybe that the current board in its whole, does not, and there needs to be some shifting on the board. It takes a lot of uh, conscious and thoughtful uh, effort on the part of the CEO and the nom and gov uh, committee and process to go through that. Uh, You know, getting on a board is not a lifetime assignment, and Mm -hmm. uh, you don't own that seat. So it it really does take the evaluation of where the company is, where it's going, and what we need to help us get there uh, to to put the seats together for the effective board.
2: I find advisory boards particularly creative for the CEOs. They can pull in a whole range of talent and cross-section that somebody in a larger or publicly held company, or especially family-owned company, might not be able to do. But that's helpful
3: to the enterprise, too. It is, and advisory boards are typically the CEO has full, you know, has full mm-hmm. uh, range and responsibility for that, or maybe even someone who reports to the CEO. Those boards typically have a very defined charge. They often do not have fiduciary responsibility, so mm-hmm. they they can be much more uh, kind of free form, if you want to call it that, and creative. But but that doesn't mean that they're any less helpful in the particular areas that they are you know, called on to help. They may be in uh, a customer-facing area. They may be in a product area. They may be in some particular aspect of technology or particular question that the company is trying to wrestle to the ground. And uh, I think advisory boards can be really helpful to companies, and it's a great way to start to get a little board experience. Not exactly the same as being on a fiduciary board, but but a place to get some experience that can be really helpful.
2: Oh, exactly, and a more... You can be focused as CEO in what skills do I need and build that more creatively. I'm on one board that I'm appointed by the state, and the chair of the board just receives whoever is appointed. And mm-hmm. that would be a really tough role. You just hope the, the state has the same judgment you do. And I have to give the chairs credit for working in government-appointed positions as well when they have no control or no influence. But anyway, that's something I don't think a lot of the CEOs uh, that will be listening to will be thinking about, but it's also a way to get perspectives on your market that you never would get otherwise. Absolutely. I'd like to, yeah, it is. So I want to start getting uh, taking a step back because we've covered a lot of ground, and there's still a lot to cover about having patience and being visible over time, too, because everything, as Pam was saying, don't, doesn't happen automatically. People do retire. People, New skills are added. New people are added. As, as you were talking about major transactions, maybe there's an acquisition and merger. So on occasion, people are added. But your timing is important for this, too. To Look at the big picture of what we've covered. What we've covered so far, we've talked about clarity, about why do I want to be on a board, where, in which level, which companies, focus, and uh, how to communicate that to others. And Pam, we have something we haven't touched on that you did is get on your own company's board if you can, as an early step. Didn't you find that as helpful?
3: It was helpful, and of course, you know, as the CEO of the company, you kind of are wearing two hats, and mm-hmm. you're making your case and trying to convince the board to support your case, and then sometimes you are really wearing your, your board-only hat, and uh, it's very interesting. It can be challenging depending on the, the topic, but it's also it's a great experience being on your own board.
2: You probably have to be clear with people what side of the fence you're on with. Yeah, which hat you're wearing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, to skim through the other things we covered, which will all be there for you to take a look at and listen to several times, is preparing your bio and communications with accomplishments about your line experience and also some board implications, doing the research, and doing your training and education about being a board member. Another point we covered was being visible, getting the okay from your current board and talking to influencers about needs of boards and perhaps getting a subject area that's of interest to you that's of interest to boards as well and speaking on it and blogging on it. And building your board? Yes, actually, Pam, you were clearer than I was uh, than I was aware of that we do even at the largest highest levels we can even influence it. I want to first of all thank all of you for joining us for listening. It was great to have you here to talk about boards and how to think about them, how to get on the right ones, and how to build your own and Our guest, Pamela Reeves, you can hear, is a pro on the boards of American Tower, Frontier Communications, Sonus Networks, DSM, Lightbridge, the Commonwealth Institute, and many others. You can find her on LinkedIn, and I'm your host, Pam Lassiter. You can find me at LassiterConsulting.com. Email me at info at CEOAcademyWithPam.com, and connect with me on Facebook, slash Lassiter Consulting, or Twitter, or LinkedIn. In two weeks, we're going to talk about being found, how search firms find CEOs, which actually will have implications for today, too, since we didn't talk about search firms today on purpose, so come back in two weeks, because we're going to talk about them then. Next week, we're having an expert on accelerating organic growth. So come join us on the CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter.
1: Thanks again for listening. Be sure to join us for another edition of CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter next Wednesday at 6 a.m. Pacific time and 9 a.m. Eastern time on the voice America business channel. We'll see you here next week for more tips from the professionals as you grow your career and your company to the top.